Hello, everybody, and welcome to Inside Physician Recruiting. My guest today is Kelly Morgan, who is an executive recruiter with Humana. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Absolutely. I, I appreciate you being on. You actually were one of the first people who agreed to do this weeks before I had even launched anything. So I appreciate you taking the leap of faith in uh, signing up for this. Always so, happy to help, though. No problem. Yeah. So I know you obviously have a lot of experience in this space, you know, on the in-house side, if you would, with big companies like UHS, um, Concentra, also with on the third-party side, having been at CHG. What was your entry into the physician recruiting landscape? My entry into physician recruiting was through locum tenants. So I came into CHG back in the day, they was called Comp Health, and they were hiring recruiters, entry level, full training. So really had never recruited before, had really never thought about recruiting anything medically, like a doctor or a nurse or anything. And so, but I had been in sales and they had said that sales and recruiting were pretty much the same thing. And they hired me based on my sales experience. And that's how I kind of got into recruiting. I had no idea what I was getting into. <laughs> so how was that transition, both from sales to recruiting, but then, you know, obviously it's a completely new world of terminology and, and language. Yeah, so the terminology was hard to grasp, especially with all the medical terms and medical people love acronyms and whatnot. So that was hard to grasp. But I think the hardest thing from from making the transition transition from selling something to recruiting was that I'm not selling a product anymore. I'm now trying to sell a person and people can do whatever they want, right? People can say one thing to you and something else to the hiring leader. And you don't realize this when you're recruiting that people, it's not like I have widgets for sale and you're gonna buy my widgets and the widgets don't work, we can replace them. When you're recruiting people, you're dealing with the nuance of people and people can do whatever they want. And so it may not work out the way that you think it's gonna work out when you're recruiting. Um, I have a saying that nothing surprises me anymore in recruiting. There's nothing that anybody could say to me um, from a recruitment standpoint these days that would surprise me because I think I've pretty much heard it all because I'm dealing with people. Right. No, it, it, it's true. Yeah, I mean, you, you can prep your candidate and try to learn as much about them as possible, but there's always going to be something that, you know, might come up in an interview or yeah. you, know, you always have to be, I guess, prepared for the unexpected. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's, that's what happens when you're, you know, that was the biggest kind of frustration from me is learning that people <laughs> can do whatever they would like. And it's not like selling a product. How long do you think it took you to go from, you know, day one, completely new industry, new language to, Hey, I, I think I've got this. I've, I've got a pretty good handle on it. I know what's going on. I, I've got a good lay of the land. How long did it take you to sort of get that confidence in that role? Realistically, I'd like to say a year, but honestly, I would say three years before I felt really confident in what I was doing um, to the point that I felt like I could um, answer somebody's questions intelligently. And I really understood the industry of what I was recruiting for and really diving in. And, and even today, learn there's all types of new stuff that comes out about the industry all the time. But at the time, being able to at least 
understand the industry enough to know where to go find information and understand how it works. And and because I'm I'm in the recruiting in the medical field, understanding what it takes to become whatever specialist I'm recruiting for is really important. And then um, being able to ask the people that I'm recruiting, asking them questions about their profession as well. So collectively about three years before yeah. I felt really good about what I was doing. Yeah, you know, it's one thing to call somebody up and say, hey, I need a hospitalist for seven on, seven off, nocturnist procedures, and just rattle off some bullet points. But it's true to understand the nuances of what are those things, you know, what what kind of questions does having these things lead to in the provider's mind? You know, the more and what it does is it cuts out time, right? Because mm -hmm. if you don't know all the answers, you inevitably are doing something along the lines of, okay, let me get back to you. Right. In this industry, you might never get them on the phone again. And if you do, they might have accepted a new opportunity. So that knowledge is is huge and I, I did the same. I mean, I, I literally just Googled every specialty, every kind of procedure they could do, you know, the different kind of work environments they were in, everything says quickly learn and, and get a good understanding of that. Because if you don't have that, you can't really be effective in this. And it's hard to hold a conversation with your candidate and ask them questions and be able to relay that to the hiring leader in a way that they're going to understand it, that you understand what you're saying. Otherwise, it's just words. It was yeah. almost like learning, like learning Greek at first. I had no idea what I was talking about. I remember but I was I'm recruiting these words. I'm repeating these words and these phrases, and I don't really know what they mean. So, yeah, three, yeah. I did three years. I, I think one of the things that stood out for me, I was recruiting somebody in cardiology, and they asked what the door to balloon time was. Never heard of the terminology ever. I, of course, said, you know, I'll find out for you. But, you know, you literally get off the phone and you Google it. And now the next time, you know, so it, right. it's, it's definitely an industry that, you know, you, you got to stay on top of and you're always evolving. And I guess to that end, from then to where you are now, other than, you know, obviously just the companies and the roles, how do you think the physician recruiting industry has changed over those years? Oh, I mean, back in the day, it was all about cold calling, right? It was about getting these people on the phone and especially doing locum tenants, right? Getting them on the phone and, and trying to, you know, convince them to take some temporary job or, you know, helping them get a license or whatever the case may be. And it was a lot of time on the phone, right? And I remember working for firms and it was all about getting your phone time, your phone minutes, you know. <laughs> your guys, dials plus your minutes. Yes, so he's dialing for dollars, as we used to call it. Not a lot going on with your email, but today it's changed where I do a lot of texting today. I probably text the majority of my candidates because a lot of doctors I work with are in clinic. I don't want to bother them. They're not going to answer the phone anyway, but they will respond to a text. So technology has changed the way that we reach candidates, and I think we're able to reach them quicker, and which makes... I think the whole industry a little bit more efficient than back in the day. Yeah. So tell us about your current role recruiting medical directors for Humana. How, how is, how did you get into that? And how is that different than, you know, traditional clinical physicians? Um, I think working for an insurance company in my, in my career, I have always uh, recruited clinical doctors 
or clinical physician assistants, meaning patient facing. These are the people working in the clinic, seeing patients, a completely different search from what I'm doing now. Now I'm recruiting physicians who are not seeing patients. These physicians are remote, they are working from home. And so, but they're still able to practice medicine, right? But now they're not seeing patients, they're reviewing charts. So it's different in the aspect in that it's not, it's not as a difficult search as clinical is. The clinical search is to me is much more difficult because the competition is fierce, um, especially in primary care. Um, you know, if you want a doc, a good doc to come in and, and work in your clinic, you know, you've, you've got to compete with a lot of other clinics that are after that same doc. But in this space, um, I think these positions are more sought after, especially in the, in the world that we live in today after COVID. Um, a lot of people like working from home or the idea of working from home. And so this has become, I think, more sought out for physicians. So I don't find myself doing all that heavy sourcing and hitting those job boards like I had to do in the past because a lot of them now simply come to me because these positions I feel are sought after from a physician standpoint, especially right. if they're wanting to leave clinical practice but still practice medicine. This seems to be the way to go. Do any of those providers do both? Like, can they do this and also do some clinical on the side with locums or is it all, it's a full-time commitment to this? It's a full-time commitment, but a lot of them will maybe do uh, hospital lift shifts on the weekend or go do an uh, uh, emergency medicine shift or an urgent care shift to, to keep their skills up because most of the doctors coming over are usually um, either going to have a background of internal medicine, hospitalist, or family medicine. And of course, we'll have subspecialties too. So those that are still wanting to are able to pick up, you know, if they want to work on the weekends to keep their to keep up their clinical skills. Gotcha. What is your favorite part about your job? I think the favorite part of my job is I get to meet so many different people um, from all over. And at the end of the day, I am a recruiter because I truly like to help people. I really do. And sometimes I'll get um, a physician on the phone who is just struggling with getting through the recruitment process or maybe is coming to me asking me for help. How can I interview better? And I've helped doctors and next thing you know, they're getting offers um, because they're willing to take the advice and listen. And that makes me feel good as a recruiter because I have knowledge as well. Um, I know that when I first started recruiting doctors, it was a little bit of um it was a little bit, what's the word I'm looking for? I was a little bit hesitant because you know they're doctors and right. I'm not a doctor. But in learning and, and dealing this for so long, at the end of the day, we're people, right? And we can all use help. We can all you know use advice. And, and I'm more than willing to help somebody um, you know, obtain a job if I can, if it's something that I know, a skill that I know, or if I know what the hiring leader is looking for and I can kind of guide you down that path. Yeah, I'm more than willing to do that. That to me is rewarding, especially when somebody calls me and says, yes, I got the job. Thank yeah. you so much. Or nowadays I'm hearing, wow, Kelly, you actually pick up your phone. And it's a habit for me to pick up my phone when it rings because as a recruiter, I was trained 
to pick up the phone. When I hear the phone ring as a recruiter, in the back of my head, a little bell goes off because that's money. When I used to do local <laughs> tenants, that used to be money. Your phone's ringing, that's money. So even today, if my phone rings, I will pick it up. I will talk to whoever calls me if you want to. If they want to help, they need help. If I can and I have the time, yes, I will help you. So you, you touched on one thing already where, you know, especially since COVID, a lot of providers are really more looking for opportunities that allow them to work remotely. Is there anything else you're seeing or hearing in the marketplace in terms of specialties or, you know, just what are you hearing out there that maybe some areas of struggle or some areas of opportunities out there? I think something that I hear about that has never gone away. And I remember when I was working on my, uh, my master's of healthcare administration, writing a paper on this, but the, the shortage of still primary care physicians, right? I think there's been a shortage ever since I've been a physician recruiter. There has been a shortage of primary care physicians. And it's tough on the clinical side. Um, when I talk to those recruiters and because everybody's using the same resources, we're all after the same doctors. And now it's how can we get more creative? What can we do to recruit the talent that we're looking for? Um, is it bonuses? Is it loan repayment? Is it what perks? You know, everybody's got these these perks that they're giving now. And so you it's just become such a competitive field. Right. But it always has been, I guess. And I guess now now that I'm not recruiting for those types of back and say it's really competitive and and the doctors have choices and they know that they have choices. So I don't think that will ever go away. Yeah. Um, but I think that I think that organizations are trying to get more creative in how they recruit, but nobody I've always said it's not the recruitment, it's the retention is where organizations should really start to spend their focus. I mean, because we can get them in the door, but can you keep them is the question. Yeah, it's two sides of the coin, right? You, you can have the greatest recruitment plan in the world, but if they're not staying, you're basically just, you know, recycling. And, you know, it's funny on the whole. Yeah, exactly. And on the the primary care thing, we, we've talked about this a lot on here where, you know, I, I kind of feel bad for hospitals because they're already struggling to recruit providers in these and other specialties. And in the last couple of years, I mean, just in the last couple of months, it seems like every, you know, time you get on the, you know, the web, there's a new article about a major, an Amazon, a Walmart, a Dollar General stepping into the space where, you know, these are companies that have hundreds and thousands of locations that they're looking for providers for. Well, they're basically going to have to pull them from, you know, the hospitals and the clinics that are already there. And it's just going to, it creates a lot of competition, a lot of price, you know, driving up. And it's going to be interesting how this plays out over the next couple of years, I think. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what it does do to, to uh, compensation as well. How is that going to drive up? And, and what are you going to have to do to actually get somebody what are you going to have to offer them to sign with you? Yeah. And the, the problem there is a lot of these companies that are coming into the space, Walmart, CVS, Dollar General, they have a lot deeper pockets than hospitals in most cases, especially smaller and rural hospitals where, you know, a lot of times they're barely paying their bills. So right. 
Yeah, it's not an easy task to, you know, be at a hospital recruiting most of these specialties. So let me ask this, what would you say maybe to people in that seat, just from your years of experience, what could they do to help separate themselves from other recruiters out there? How can they stand out in this, you know, crowded sea of recruiters where providers are constantly getting bombarded? What can they do maybe differently or better? You know, that, that's a really good question. And so I've, and just talking to just people that I know, and they know that I'm a recruiter. And I had a friend said, well, you know, Kelly, you're different because you actually answer your phone. And I'm like, well, yeah, I do answer my phone. She goes, but just in my, in her experience, looking for a job, trying to reach out to a recruiter, she never, you know, never was able to tip anybody. She, as she said to me, her resume fell into what I call a black hole where you hear nothing. You apply, you hear nothing. You might try to reach out to somebody. You don't get a response back. We've all been there before. And as a recruiter, I hate that. So if somebody emails me, I make it a point to email them back. Um, it may not be the information that you want, but I'll try to get back with you because I, I know it is to fall into a black hole. And you're really, people are just looking for information. They're just looking for information. They're trying to find out what their status is. Um, and so I feel like as recruiters, we could do better. I know that we're busy, but we could do better to try to reach out. Even if it's an email saying, I have no information for you, is better than just silence. Um, and that's kind of, that's something that I, I tried, I strive to do that on a daily basis. That's it. If my phone rings, I'll answer it. If somebody yeah. emails me, I'll yeah. respond. Um, if somebody says, you know, do you have, can you speak with me? I maybe can't do it today, but if you're willing to put time on the calendar, let's do it. Um, and let's get your questions answered and so that you can, you know, continue on with your job search. Um, because I know how it is out there. Being somebody who's looked for a job before, it can be incredibly yeah. frustrating. So it's nice when somebody just takes the time to answer your question or just to actually talk to you give you a piece of advice. It doesn't have to be a long conversation. It could be five minutes. It could make their day. A lot of times it's easier to just maybe do that quick response than to constantly ignore the email and, you know, you stress about it and it just, it keeps coming. But if you would have the first time just quickly responded with, you know, whatever it is, it's a lot easier and it's a lot better for them. But I think you know, maybe just not wanting to deliver bad news or feeling you're busy, but I agree. I think that it is a great way to help recruiters stand out against the competition, you know, with what's out there. It, in terms of the industry, you know, trade groups and organizations, websites, what do you look to to get a pulse on what's going on in, in the market? So I, I, I'm tuned into, they've changed their name and I feel so bad. So it's not the, um, when I was, when I was heavily in on the clinical side, it was the, um, oh, help me out, Jerry. What's the association for physicians? AHPR? They've changed the name now. They've changed the acronym. Yeah. So now it's AAPPR. Yeah. AAPPR. So I'm no yeah. longer a member, but I still get emails from them and I still tune in. I still go to the website. Um, you know, I still look at them. I look at other articles. I used to be really tuned into, um, like, uh, 
Doximity. I used to get a lot of information from them because they would put out articles. I used to get a lot of information from Practice Match. They used to put out a lot of information and I was just more tuned in. But I would say right now, my biggest source of info is LinkedIn. I probably spend 60% of my time on LinkedIn. I talk to a lot of candidates on LinkedIn. It just seems to be a good place to go. And, that, and, I, and I'm always looking at new articles. That's how we connected was through LinkedIn. Um, that seems to be my biggest platform. It didn't used to be. Just in the last maybe couple of years, LinkedIn's really, really been a big resource for me. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think it's, you know, especially with so many people working remotely, where you really kind of feel disconnected LinkedIn is almost like the online office where, you know, you, you can see what's going on. You know, there's so many news articles. You can, you know, all these clients that you're trying to get in front of or all of these candidates you're trying to get in front of, they're on there. You know, they're posting things, they're sharing things. I, I think it's a fantastic tool and can definitely be maximized, um, you know, for some great yeah. benefits. Any, any, you know, obviously recruiters, they're busy. You know, there's so many things you have to do as a recruiter. There's this long process and all these different pieces of the, the puzzle that you've got to be in control of. Are there any time management or goal setting or any types of tips or tricks that have maybe helped you to sort of manage all of this better that you, you could share? You know, Jerry, I when I first got into physician recruiting, I was a locum tenens recruiter, and I can still hear the president of the company saying, time kills all deals, even though I'm not making those types of deals anymore. So time management is a big thing for me, right? So I tend to schedule everything. I'm heavy on my calendar. Um, I put everything on my calendar because it keeps me honest and it keeps me kind of on track. Even if I can't get things accomplished, I put everything on the calendar. So what doesn't get done today, I'll put on and that will be the first task for tomorrow and then so forth. And I've had to learn over time to really utilize um, utilize my calendar as a time management tool because I would just simply write things down. I used to be a sticky note person Right, I would write everything down on sticky notes and then sticky notes would be everywhere and nobody would understand the logic but me. So if somebody came to my desk and be like, and looking for something, nobody would be able to find anything. So I thought that works for me, but it doesn't work for my team. You know, I'm, if I'm working on a team, so I've learned to kind of go to a calendar type method. And that's really helped me keep myself on track. And it's helped me make sure that all of the tasks are done because as you're recruiting, it's very easy for people to fall through the cracks, right? It's very easy to forget to call somebody back or whatever. When I say everything goes on the calendar, everything goes on the calendar. Yeah. You know, it's funny that the small world of recruiting, the president that you were talking about is now the CEO of my company. <laughs> so very funny. small. <laughs> and that was his thing. I remember him saying that I had a little... He had a little cards made up and we had them on our desk. And that's what it said. Time kills all deals. And I'll just never forget that. That's just, so as a locum tenens recruiter, I tend to move very quickly because you had to, right? You didn't have a lot of, you didn't have the luxury of just kind of taking your time. Everything had to be filled and it had to be filled yesterday. So I yeah. still move like that, even though it's not really necessary. I still find myself, I have to tell myself to slow down. Like you can slow down, Kelly. It's okay. 
You know, there's you're not competing with anybody because the world of locums, again, highly competitive. So last question for you, and this doesn't have to be related specifically to staffing, but what is something you would recommend to our audience and why? I would honestly recommend, I thought about when you, when you said this to me, I had to really think about it. And I thought, well, you know, book, a podcast, I would recommend something that I do every day that I swear by, and that is meditate. I recommend that if you do not meditate, that you try meditating at least five minutes a day, because it really helps you to be present in your current life. Meditation is a wonderful thing. And I didn't know anything about meditation until about maybe, maybe five years ago. I really started meditating seriously and I meditate daily and it is life changing because it really helps you just kind of center and ground yourself. And you can set intentions for what you want your day to be like. What is it that you want to accomplish? What is it that you want to do? What is it that you want to, what is it that you want? That 15, that five to 15 minutes of focus gives you the opportunity to really figure out how to get those things. Um, because you're giving your, you're, and you're allowing yourself a little bit of time just for you. That's like, that's like my me time. That's like my sacred 15 minutes a day. And if I miss a day, I notice it. So it's so crazy you said that because literally five minutes before I logged on to do this, I just posted a blog post about how meditation can help make you a better recruiter. <laughs> Can. You, you can go and look and see it's timestamps. So I'm not making that up. It's a That's true crazy. thing. It's just something that I've, it's become a habit for me. It's, it's a, now it's a habit. If I miss it, it's because my day is all frazzled, but usually I'll, I'll try to do five to 15, 15's best, 20's great if I can do it. Um, and just focus and just calm my mind and just, you know, it, it, like I said, it's life changing. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, listen, it's, it's been fantastic having you on. You know, I, I learned, you know, a lot on here. I mean, some things you typically don't think of and got to learn a little about a piece of the industry that I don't have experience in. So that was fantastic. Really appreciate having you on. I hope all the listeners enjoyed and learned as much from this as I did. Uh, for everybody out there, again, if you want to check some more information out, remember to go to the site, InsidePhysicianRecruiting.com. And uh, check out the blog post. If you have any suggestions for topics or anything like that, you could submit that all there. Again, thank you for coming on, and I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Jerry. You're welcome.